0: Today's episode, we are bringing back for an update, a former employee of Bristol Myers Squibb, Joy Corson. She joined the Faithful Freedom podcast and show in episode nine, the very first season right after we launched, and it was one of our most watched episodes ever. It still is to date because so many people were craving that information from her and her former colleague, Wesley Stone, that joined our conversation. They were talking about how they were taking a stand during the mandates, why they would not take the you-know-what to keep their job. And now we're going to get an update on what Joy is up to now, where she sees the industry of Big Pharma going, and why she thinks it's so important for people like her and her former colleagues that took a stand to still have a voice in the big pharma industry how that's going to be very important for the industry for consumers and for americans moving forward she's a story of hope she's a story of how when you take a stand there is life after that and what do you do after that and so she's got a unique perspective because she's coming at it from both angles from big pharma and also from um, someone an american that took a stand for the, her freedoms, for the freedoms of, of those around America and of our children. And she also, one of her new ventures uh, involves education and connecting students, teachers, homeschoolers, uh, private education, different resources that you can have at your disposal as parents and uh, consumers in the education sector. So cannot wait to talk today to Joy Corson where do we go from here because the battle has just begun as eyes open we continue to arm ourselves with the truth in all aspects of our lives asking questions and relentlessly searching for answers educating ourselves and forging a new path forward hear from real people faithfully pursuing freedom this is faithful freedom with taryn gregson presented by We the Patriots USA, a non-profit 501c3 organization working to preserve and reclaim our God-given inalienable rights. Joy, welcome back to the show. It's been about a year since we last talked. Yes. Hi, Darren. Nice to see you again.
1: Thank you so <laughs> much for the time and uh, se- just setting aside your schedule so I could come back and Bring some hope to those
0: out there. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you because you you are a beacon of hope. You know, you and me, we shared that together and that we took a stand and um, we said no and we were terminated from our positions. And so I hope that we can be a voice of hope to other people that there is life. On the other side of being terminated and um, (laughs) taking a stand, so so just to give people a little refresher, what did what was it that you did for Bristol Myers Squibb before they uh, terminated you over their mandates?
1: So I was a member of the clinical trials uh, operations team. I was responsible for vendor alliance management with our clinical trial partners, covering specialty testing. So all of those tests that. Clinical trial patients need uh, to be included in uh, the trials. So inclusion criteria, exclusion criteria, that was part of my remit. Uh, anything immunology based. So my education and
0: background scientifically is in immunology and microbiology. And I'm sure all of the as someone who is well versed in who should be included in cl- clinical trials and who should not be, I'm sure so much of the information that's coming out in the Pfizer documents have has that been kind of cringe, cringe-worthy for you to see the, you know, pregnant women, even children, we've been hearing were a part of those trials? A lot of what we're
1: seeing from those documents is highly disturbing. I think that you know, when you rush your trials to try and operate under emergency circumstances, of course, corners are going to be cut, and that's expected. Um, but some major safety corners were cut. And those are things that I don't think the American public was made aware of. And um, you combine that force of government with the business, we all know generally how that ends in the long run. So, you know, I I can't say that any of it surprised me other than the debt. So each individual circumstance of, okay, we see, Discrepancies in trials—they happen, and you do your best to make sure that they don't. Especially when you have a trial so large. But just the depth of the deception is what's vitally—it
0: needs to be investigated. Absolutely, and and we'll dive into a little bit further what you're you're doing right now currently with the two companies that you've started—one in the in the pharma sector, and the other in the education sector. But um, let's talk a little bit about you know, what life was was like after the termination. We talked shortly after you were terminated last year around this time, but it's been a year. So, you know, for people that were like, what would have happened to me if I would have done the same thing? You know, what was life like for you in, in this past year?
1: It's incredibly frustrating, uh, the number of jobs that you're turned down for. I talked to recruiters and... Well, you don't have the vaccine, so you know you can't. We can't hire you. We won't even entertain sending you over. A lot of the pharma companies used recruiting agencies to avoid the legal conflict of violating our rights. So that was an interesting time.
0: Um, so did they? Did they ask you right out of the gate then if you if you were vaccinated? How did that even come up in your applications?
1: Sometimes I brought it up. Um, mm-hmm. If it were a sales role, I was always cautious about wasting somebody's time for a sales role. and I knew I wouldn't be able to go to a client site, I thought, you know, my integrity is everything. And I wouldn't possibly wanna waste a hiring manager's time knowing that I wouldn't be able to be able to validly represent them to the industry. I didn't, I wouldn't be able to attend meetings. Uh, what a lot of people don't realize, I know the vaccine mandates have been mostly lifted, aside from the CMS mandate, but the pharmaceutical industry continues to keep the mandates in place, Um, the bulk of the industry, not everyone, but the bulk of them. And as do the big conferences. I normally would attend AACR every year, so that's the American Association of Cancer Research. And um, when I asked them about accommodation, they said that accommodation wasn't available, um, that they had uh, online options for people who were not vaccinated or couldn't make it to the meeting there's a lot of that discrimination still going on within the industry overall.
0: It's highly disappointing. Absolutely. And so I know that, um, that you and some of your former colleagues have, you know, taken action in that and that you want to, to continue to have people like yourself have a presence in the industry. Uh, So get us caught up on how that then came around once you're, you're getting all these rejections and people are simply saying no, just because of your your vaccination status, not because of the fact that you are extremely uh, well qualified uh, in, your, in your industry.
1: Yeah, so we had started a Telegram channel to converse about you know, what we were going through, really to just connect with each other and make sure that People who were depressed or having mental health breakdowns over what was done to us had a resource and people to talk to. So they knew that they were surrounded by like-minded people and people they could trust. And from that Telegram channel, there were four of us that really got to be very close and decided that, hey, we should go into business together and try and do something. We have a lot of people from the industry that have very diverse experience. Maybe we could build something. And so we decided to build a consulting company. Uh, there are four of us who are partners, and we have looked to bring on about 20 or so, or more, of our colleagues who've gone through the same experience. And any of anyone out there in pharma now who went through the same experience, you're welcome to join our group as well. Um, but we're looking for work, consulting work within the industry. So a lot of the contract work that's done, you know, when small biotechs need uh, high-level employees, but they don't have the funds to pay a full salary, and they don't need, the, they don't need someone full time, uh, we can step in and fill a void. So, for example, in the alliance management, it's a requirement of the FDA to make sure that you're managing your vendors properly and they're fulfilling their obligations. Um, so, that's a service that I can provide under our organization, uh, building an alliance management program that would fulfill the FDA's needs and implement that for,
0: say, a small biotech that doesn't have the funds to hire for those positions that's wonderful. And, um, you know, tell people further why it is so important that people like yourself that were forced out of the industry uh, over these mandates, why it's so important that you all still have, um, you know, a seat at the table in all of this.
1: So uh, when you get rid of people of conscience, people who really have a firm belief in right or wrong, those are the kind of people who will tell you to stop what you're doing if something seems unethical or immoral. And when you're dealing with public health and testing new pharmaceutical products, I would think um, that any CEO would recognize how important dissenting opinions are. But unfortunately, we don't see a lot of dissent within the pharmaceutical industry anymore. A lot of people live in fear of keeping their jobs and paying their mortgages. And so they just do what they're told. And having dissenting voices, having people willing to say, no, thank you, I'm not going to do that, it's wrong. And you shouldn't make others do that either. It's really important. It's important for all industry, but it's especially crucial in the pharmaceutical industry as we've seen over the past two years and really with the opening of, as you mentioned, the Pfizer data, how dangerous it can be to not have people being willing to stand up and say no.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, we're seeing them wanting to put this technology into many other facets of the pharmaceutical industry not just these covid shots but you know you yourself were coming from you know the cancer background and in, in the clinical trials for the cancer drugs we're seeing that they're wanting to use this mrna technology and cancer treatment um, they're even talking about it in the rsv vaccine for children um, and not just talking about it they're developing it yeah. and so so you're right there isn't there's the need is ongoing and continuous? You know, the
1: RNA technology is really interesting because it has its place. It has its function that makes logical sense, right? We have untreatable cancers like glioblastomas. And you know, the the lipid nanoparticles, one of their initial uses was to help treat brain tumors because it it helps things cross the blood-brain barrier. So you know, I think there is good that can be done with mRNAs. I wouldn't demonize it, but it's not, it doesn't make sense for a vaccine. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely irrational methodology to use for a vaccine.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I I appreciate that perspective that you bring to it because I think so many people now, um, are, you know, afraid, (laughs) afraid of it altogether because of the experience that's been out there.
1: Yeah. When you're dealing with patients who have terminal cancer, the difference in treatment methods, if you can give them two years of livable life versus two years of being tortured with medicine, it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Giving someone who's perfectly healthy a product that could kill them or completely damage their reproductive cycle, um, like you discussed in one of your previous podcasts, um, that's
0: non-starter, or at least it should have been absolutely 100 percent. so let's talk a little bit too In shifting gears to the education side of um what you're doing now with connected connect ed um tell us a little bit about connect ed.net is where people can can go check out your other venture that you're that you're working on because i think this is this is so important um in so many discussions that we're having for people listening, we're going to have several podcasts upcoming talking about you know the education vouchers that are on the table in so many states right now um, that lawmakers are talking about, and just the education system in general. On um, you know so many people trying to find alternative methods to educate their children, and um, it was a need that you had for for you and your family, and you've and here now that um, God has placed you on a different path, you've been able to um, hopefully help some other families with this. So tell us a little bit about, con- it's connected-ed.net. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, the name is a little complex, unfortunately. As you know, people like to camp out on web domain names. So we had to uh, find something that was close uh, close enough to what we were looking for. So we ended up with connected-ed.net. Um, it's really uh, intended to be a resource to link families to teachers and to other families. So during COVID, we heard a lot about pod learning and how a lot of families were getting together. I don't know what it was like in your area, but my son was in second grade uh, when uh, COVID hit and he had to go back to school with face masks and all this insanity. And I just said, no, I'm not I'm not sending my son into that situation. Um, it's not healthy to be breathing through these face masks all day. God only knows what particulates are being inhaled into his lungs and what the long-term damage of that could be. Um, teaching children to fear others I thought was absolutely irrational. And then having a child who has uh, serious mucus buildup issues, he has severe allergies, sending him be- into school behind a mask was going to just be untenable. So. Uh, one of my neighbors down the street, she was doing online learning with her son. Uh, it started there the same age and it started uh, right as COVID initially began in March. She signed on to that program and fell in love with it. Um, in Pennsylvania here, we have um, something called online charter school. Uh, so the state allows online charter schools and it's oh, wow. pretty much the equivalent. It, it is a wonderful setup. And really all that's required is that you have a learning coach. And at the time, I was working at an organization. I was working about 80 to 90 hours a week, setting up clinical trials for our sponsors um, on the vaccines uh, and some other COVID stuff, along with my regular workload. So I didn't have time to do it myself. But luckily, my neighbor uh, was available. And she took both of our sons and was my son's learning coach during the process uh, for that second grade year. And it was a wonderful experience. But I was lucky. I was yeah. lucky to have that person in my life, in my neighborhood, that I connected with and that, you know, our boys had grown up together since they were two years old. I felt comfortable sending my son to her house every day. It's just two houses, just across the block from me. And it wasn't that big of a deal. But I thought about all of the parents out there and how hard it must be for them to find a teacher, to find a curriculum, uh, to find other families to do this with because it's just Monetarily, it doesn't work um, to have one parent teaching a couple of kids and needing to needing money for that. So, how do you set up a company? How do you set up a way to connect people? And uh, this is an idea I had been sitting on even before COVID hit. It was something I had been thinking about because I wasn't really happy with the school my son was going to. He has some auditory issues, and our our elementary school here is an open concept school. So I was really really worried that he wasn't going to handle um, the auditory environment in the school, but luckily he did. Uh, But yeah, i have been thinking about it for years, but due to the workload, I wasn't able to do it to set anything up with the onset of uh, being terminated from my previous employer. It gave me an opportunity to really think about, okay, how would I do this business? How would I design it? How would I develop it? How would I market it? How would I find a web developer to build the website for me. So over the process of the past year, uh, I met a, a web developer and made him my business partner. And we've been working on building up this little site and hopefully really striking people's interest. And, you know, we see a lot of problems in society. So I think now it's the right time.
0: I think that's that very last point that you just made is um, what so many of us can take away f- from all of this is that, you know, There were so many different systems that were broken or, you know, less than ideal, even prior to COVID that COVID exposed that, you know, maybe we needed to, um, you know, make small improvements to or we needed to... (laughs) have an army of people that were willing to step outside of their comfort zones and maybe pave a new path forward um, or new alternatives for certain parts of these sectors. So whether it's, you know, like I said, the medical industry or big pharma or or the education system for our children, I think that it COVID helped spark um the, the entrepreneurial spirit in so many people to say, you know what, I'm going to take action myself and go out there and um, try to improve upon the things that were lacking in the systems that, that were um, either, you know, not working all together or needed some small improvements. Absolutely. Um,
1: we're seeing across the nation. I don't, I don't know what's going on in your area, but here over the summer, we had a lot of battles at school board meetings over mm-hmm. books in libraries. Yeah. <laughs> and you see those battles going on all over the country. You see children being abused in the schools. Um you see girls afraid to go into bathrooms. You see teachers indoctrinating children to believe things about themselves that they can change that are immutable characteristics, things you cannot change. And then you see immutable characteristics being used against people, being wielded as weapons. Um, children being taught the most appalling things that are really destructive to their mental well being. And then now you hear a lot of talk about the guidance counselors. Um, listening to somebody's podcast the other day, and there was a discussion about all well, the guidance counselors are really going in and destroying children. And it's just become overwhelming. And I think it's overwhelming for parents to think about, you know, where are their children spending eight hours a day, five days a week outside their influence and they're coming home and they're finding out all of a sudden their children think that they're a different gender. They, in some cases, they think they're they're animals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I've heard a couple stories about putting litter boxes in girls' bathrooms because girls are starting to think they're cats. Yep. I mean, there's some really disturbing things going on in public schools, but it's not just in public schools, it's in private schools too. And I think that as parents and for maybe the past generation or two really, parents haven't been as involved as they need to be. And so it's time we start taking control back um, and time to start Looking deeper into what's going on in our children's lives in these schools.
0: Absolutely. And we might need to pull them out of the schools in a lot of places. Absolutely. And, you know, in the in the Florida area that I'm at these furries where these girls think that they're cats and they're requesting litter boxes and their schools and everything I mean this yeah. is happening in Florida so it doesn't even matter yeah. what state that you move to this is happening all over the place and so I think that parents are are really wanting to take charge. Um, so let's show them a little bit of your your site and um, while I do that you can yeah. dive deeper into how you are connecting people to these different resources and um, how parents can use this?
1: So this is really meant, and it's, please keep in mind, it's a bare site at this point. We're doing this on a shoestring budget, uh, trying to get enough subscribers to make it, to entice investors to really start funding it. Um, so the idea is you sign up either as an education provider, and what do we mean by education provider? You could be a licensed teacher. You could be somebody who has experience in an industry, say a scientist, for example, or a statistician, or a mathematics professor. You could be a music teacher. You could be an art instructor. You don't have to be a certified teacher. You could also be a therapist of some sort. So a lot of other needs that we're seeing, my cat wants to invade our colleague. Sorry. (laughs) Um, A lot of the other needs that we're seeing are with special needs families where they're not getting what they need out of the schools. So speech therapy or um, physical therapy, motor therapy, things that schools are supposed to provide, but most of them are just not capable of providing a lot of the special needs that we're seeing. So you can be any of those types of providers. You could be a learning coach, someone who just has a basic bachelor's of science or bachelor's of humanities or whatever just willing to spend the day with a child and go through their classes and help them when they have questions. Um, You could be any any one of these things. We're trying Mm -hmm. to avoid the word teacher because we don't want to imply certified teacher. Uh, There are a lot of legal concerns. We don't want to be sued by any of the states for violating their rules. So we're trying to be as broad and very clear upfront what we're offering. So really a service to introduce Mm -hmm families to other families that want to build learning pods in their local community, and then introduce those families to teachers or educators or physical therapists or you name it that are
0: interested in working with children. This is so wonderful because so many parents want this for their children, but don't know where to start, don't know how to find other like-minded parents or other parents that have those needs as well, um, in their local communities. And then, um, on top of that, like you mentioned, getting them connected with, um, you know, with those learning coaches that can then help them through that and to actually take action and and get their kids started and down those different paths. So, um, you know, tell, tell people how they can, get involved, how they can sign up um, whether they're a parent or a student or someone interested in you know helping to use their their time and talents to help these children.
1: So if you visit our website and go to I think it's the top of the page you can scroll up there mm-hmm. and you can just sign up you can say what you're looking for or you can sign up now at that little button at the at the bottom. You can also go to the membership plans page and sign up there. And you sign up either as a teacher at slash educator or you sign up as a family, seeking a family. If you want to have two accounts, you can set up two accounts with two different email addresses if you're looking to be both a teacher slash educator or a family.
0: What are your, your biggest needs right now to continue mm-hmm. to, to get connected, um, going, and picking up STEAM?
1: Fantastic question. Really what we need, we need people to sign up Well, We're offering free memberships right now. All of our membership levels are free. Um, If you would like to continue, once we start charging for memberships, we do have a free a la carte membership. So you can always sign up, have your information there. And if people reach out and want to engage with you, then the only fee would be, um, an engagement fee. So it would be, um, We have a structure in there, but we're constantly considering how to revise it for the future. Since we're not charging at this point, we don't know exactly how it'll work out, but, um, if someone emails you and would like to interview you, then there would be a a fee after two engagements, um, Mm -hmm. for the a la carte membership, but otherwise the open memberships have their prices set. We're trying to be reasonable. We know, um, that families in need of these services probably are in some sort of hardship right now, like just about everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And the economy is in a bad place. So we're not trying to make money; we're just trying to build up a platform to connect people. And hopefully, um, the membership fees will eventually just pay the bills and keep us keep us moving, and gaining yeah. resources.
0: <laughs> yes, we hope so. We hope that um, you know this continues to to grow and develop because I think it's such a such a big need for parents out there. And, you know, I see that you're also going to continue to put more resources on there too and, and help people navigate the different um, rules and regulations that are in their various states on how to go about doing, you know, at-home learning or independent learning, or, um, you know, like you, like you mentioned in Pennsylvania, how they have the online charter schools. Um, Those are all different, you know, there's so many different um ways that people can take ownership of their children's education. And um, you are a prime example of someone who um, when you were connected with somebody else and the way that you are trying to help other people to do so, were able to provide that for your child, even though you were working, you know, not just full time, but <laughs> full time plus some. Because <laughs> I think so many parents are afraid that they don't have the time to do it. It is daunting,
1: and that is the intention, right? The intention mm-hmm. is to keep our children in these schools. And so our goal, we have partnered um, or we have spoken with HSLDA.org uh, and we'll be posting their, web- linking their website to ours so that people can easily go over and find the rules for their state. HSLDA.org is a wonderful resource for parents uh, looking to find out more information on a state-by-state law basis for certain. We also want to connect to the curriculum providers, the homeschool organizations. We'd like to see a lot of these homeschool families that have their um, Facebook groups move over to our platform. So eventually if we have enough subscribers and we can bring investors on, we would be able to build that platform up. So people don't have to rely on groups like Facebook that we know censor and you don't, want to have to rely on companies that censor you and don't believe what you believe.
0: Absolutely. You want to, um, you want to support those that are open. they not just, you know, have the same values of, as you, but are open to, to everyone and not just, um, you know, picking and choosing the free speech out there. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Joy, this has been so wonderful. And I, um hope that this was a message of hope for people that there is life after the mandates there is life after being laid off and then you can take that experience that you know hardship that that has been put in your path and and use it for good um and so you're a prime example of that any um you know any bits of wisdom or um Any, any little tidbit that you want to give people that is a big takeaway for you personally after a year of navigating life after big pharma? Um, so I would say that keep an open mind
1: and listen to your thoughts to God, whatever Mm -hmm. background you have, Um, Mm -hmm just listen to the to the quiet things and think about what you want to do and try and do better for the world and try and help others there is life out there after these mandates and i would hope that everyone writes their congress and requests that they investigate the mandates and the damage that's been done all the private mandates that are still out there they need to go away We need to stop them. Nobody has the right over our bodies for any reason. If this had been someone injecting something else into our bodies without our consent, say in a Harvey Weinstein type of situation, Mm -hmm. um, the media would be all over it and would be against it. But because it came through a needle for some reason, that makes it less vile to people. But I challenge that and I challenge people to think outside the box. And start standing up for yourself, think about your finances now, so that when you're in a situation based like this in the future, you're able to say no, thank you and walk away and try and set your life up so that you're not relying on that anymore.
0: Absolutely. Breaking away from the system or having the the, the resources to do so when the time comes for you, because... Um, it, it seems like it's inevitable for, for most everyone at some point. Um, you're going to have to make a choice. And so I think that that's a wise bit of advice that you have for people. And also, you know, a cautionary tale, because as you mentioned, these mandates haven't been um, they, we ha- we don't have laws in place right now yet to to prevent this from happening and again what happened to you joy could happen again what happened to me could happen again and so we need to prevent that from from taking place again
1: absolutely and Taryn you are wonderful I really love what you've done I love watching your all of your podcasts They're just so enlightening and uplifting. So thank you for all Uh that you're doing and everything We the Patriots is doing as well.
0: Well, thanks. Yes. You, people like you are what encouraged me. And, um, it's an honor to be able to tell, tell your stories and, um, what we, the Patriots USA is doing out there right now is just so wonderful. They're fighting for people on so in so many different facets, whether it's, you know, having to do with these mandates or, uh, in the education sector with the trans agenda in school with CRTs in our schools and um, you know, just so many ways that we the patriots is is still fighting. And people, this takes time. We are still continuing to go through all of the legal hoops and hurdles that take place in in the legal system to continue to uh, make sure that these mandates become um illegal that they can't happen anymore. And so we're still working on that here at We The Patriots USA. It takes time in the legal system. None of this is, is quick. So uh, in the meantime, Joy, thank you for for being a light and a hope for us. Tell us again where people can go check out your new website. Um,
1: wwwconnected
0: net. Thanks, Joy. We'll link that in the show notes. And God bless you and, and everything you are doing.
1: Thank you, Taryn. Have a beautiful rest of your week. Thanks.